What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Many of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, which is my effort to find the most interesting people in the world and sit with them for hours while I ask questions in an effort to learn. So it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe to the show on your favorite audio platform, watch episodes on YouTube, and tell your friends and family about the podcast. My goal is to help millions learn from the world's most interesting people. So let's get into today's episode. Paolo Ardano is the CTO of Tether. In this conversation, we talk about the rise of stablecoins, whether the market is winner-take-all or not, how they think about treasury management, how they ensure that the peg stays actually backed by dollars, what he thinks about regulation and audits, how they think about accumulating more Bitcoin, where the demand for Tether will increase or decrease if banks become more friendly, the importance of FDIC insurance, the popularity of Tron and Binance Smart Chain as blockchains for Tether, and what the impact in terms of stablecoins will be on Bitcoin adoption globally. I really enjoyed the conversation with Paolo. Even the parts where we get into how big the business is, both from a revenue, a profit, and an employee headcount standpoint. I think that you'll learn a ton in my conversation, and I'm really excited to hear your feedback. So once you get done listening, jump on Twitter and go ahead and let me know. What did you like? What did you not like? What questions do you think were answered well? And what questions do you think I should have asked that I didn't? All feedback is welcome. Here is my conversation with Paolo Ardano. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys. Bang, bang. Paulo, I thought a great place for us to start this conversation is the rise of stablecoins. Obviously, they used to be very small, almost non-existent. Uh, now we have about $125 billion market cap, of which Tether is the largest stablecoin. Can you talk about the last couple of years and from your perspective, how important stablecoin popularity in crypto has been? Yeah, sure. So um, as I said, you know, um, the, uh, the stablecoins had a little bit of history um, that was funded nine years ago actually the 6th of uh, october um uh, tether would um had his uh, have his uh, ninth birthday and um yeah the in the last few years though uh the simple coins changed for from being a product basically designed at the beginning for cryptocurrency traders uh for helping moving um uh, fiat across different uh, um, exchanges uh, to help arbitrageurs and so on and so forth. But with COVID, with the um, increased um, devaluation of national currencies, especially in emerging markets, I'm thinking about Turkey, I'm thinking about um, you know Argentina, Venezuela, and so on. Um, stable coins more and more have been have demonstrated to be an asset that um, consider the lifeline for communities living in uh, developing countries and um, uh, the fact that uh, you know the economy suffered a big hit with with the, during the pandemic the fact that uh, you know uh, in, inflation is going through the roof more and more have, and the the crypto markets in general have been um, suffering as well as well as the the in general uh, financial markets people in this moment ones um, trying to find um, safety, trying to find stability in their life. They don't. This is a period in which uh, speculation is not um, 
definitely the the first thought of um, um of people right so they want something that is predictable something that you know they wake up in the morning they know that they have the same pretty much the same purchasing value or power that uh, than the day before the week before if you think about the turkish lira the turkish lira devaluated around um 80 in in the last 18 months uh compared to the us dollar and so um if you are a, a Turkish person, probably you would prefer to keep your funds in uh, USDT in Tether, USDT rather than in, in uh, Turkish Liras. And so it has been um, an, an interesting shift. Um, also is, uh, I would say when when Tether created uh, USDT, uh, we could not believe, uh, we could not think to all these use cases. Of course, the growth has been immense and, uh, you know, we are, you know, every day when I wake up, I'm, I'm still surprised about the, the, you know, the the growth of this space of this industry. Um, yet, it's uh, I think uh, I I like uh, what um, the, the 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 real true purpose of stable coins. I like the fact that they are now used by hundreds of millions of people uh, around the world to find uh, stability, to find you know to to be used as a way to transfer wealth, to store wealth, and so on. And when you think about people in whether it's Turkey or other areas where there's hyperinflation or a significant devaluation, I think the story uh, for a long time had been Bitcoin is uh, the solution, right? People are going to go and they're going to buy Bitcoin. We see that happening to some degree. There are definitely people in these countries that buy Bitcoin. But it seems like also a lot of people are buying stable coins as well. And the reason why I kind of position it as if you're in a, a dire financial position, right, your, your economy is uh, kind of wobbling, your currency is being devalued. If you have an internet connection, you now have choice. You can choose from a couple of different currencies. And it does seem like people are choosing stable coins and Bitcoin. Does your expectation it will continue to be stable coins in Bitcoin, or do you think that stable coins serve like a really interesting uh, kind of solution for these individuals, where maybe Bitcoin isn't going to be used for medium of exchange and only for store of value? Or how do you think of these two assets and their relationship to each other? Well, I, I think the uh, we cannot discount the fact that uh, um, stable coins are well, the majority of the stable coins, and these one hundred twenty five billion are actually. Um, uh, representing uh, U.S. dollar stable coins, right? So if you think, but there are Euro-based Euro -based stable coins. Tether has uh, Euro Tether that was launched um, in 2018, 2019, and the reality is that uh, I think the market cap is is ridiculous compared to um, to USDT. The reason is that everyone wants the dollar in this world. So dollar is the most established asset and uh, is the most everyone. Everyone knows it, right? So if you talk to all the generations from the youngest to the oldest, they know dollar, they know gold. Actually, uh, the second biggest stable coin that uh, that Tether has created is XLT, is a stable coin that is uh, fully backed by gold. But that is that tells you that people, you know, are uh, the euro was there, has been there since uh, the last 20, 30 years. Um, um, the dollar has much longer life. Gold has, uh, you know, 5,000 uh, years of history. And so people tend to go to things that they know that they are solid, that have been um, in, in their families or, you know, understood by their families uh, for generations. And so, you know, with the, the dollar has still that uh, sort of mark uh, of, um, of stability and among 
all the inflation, all the devaluation of the, the, the different uh, national currencies. In the end, the dollar is the safest one among all of them, right? So the dollar is the biggest economy in the world and so provides more assurance to people that have to that need to choose where to put their savings. Bitcoin is um, is the, mo the, the newest of all the currencies. And uh, we are seeing adoption, right? I'm personally a Bitcoiner, and uh, every time I talk about Tether, I also try to talk about Bitcoin because I think one of the roles of stablecoins is never forget that it, their role as um, for sure innovators, but also their, ro their role as um, companies that should foster uh, financial freedom. And Bitcoin is the ultimate financial freedom, right? So, but it just takes more time for people to understand it. Younger generations are more prepared to that, to this discussion, to understand intrinsic value, to understand the fact that uh, the, the fact that there are computers governing uh, Bitcoin is not a scary thing; is actually a positive thing. As I think that uh, since there is no mother nature, that as with gold you have mother nature, you have the nature that uh, you know the you have a fixed amount of uh, or limited supply of gold in the soil. Um, uh, and that is what people uh, were used to and are used to when they think to a scarce asset. The fact that computers are are basically uh, uh, running Bitcoin shouldn't shouldn't be scary, but is actually kind of scary or kind of uh, weird for many still. And I think we as an industry should do a better job or should keep doing uh, or improving the job that we are doing in explaining and 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 holding people towards Bitcoin. Now, when we think inside of the stablecoin market, um, obviously dollars on a blockchain are the most popular, right? as you mentioned. Um, but there are now multiple companies or organizations who have created dollar-backed stablecoins. And so the two most popular being Tether and USDC, but there's a, a plethora of others uh, that have come into the market, and each one has varying degrees of success. When you look at the market, is it a winner-take-all, a winner-take-most? Do you think it's actually important to have multiple stablecoin, you know, dollar-backed stablecoin winners? Like, how do you look at almost competition for the dollar-backed stablecoin itself? Yeah, I think... Look, um, I like to think the stablecoin as an industry, I don't think an, an industry can exist with only one player. And um, you can see how much this, this, uh, the stablecoins are subject of discussion among regulators in, in different parts of the world. If the stablecoin industry would be made by a single player, I mean, would it not be an industry and probably, you know, every regulator would have, you know, reason to shut it down in a way right because you know you if there is only one company that can do it is could be a weird thing right so you want to have diversity you want to have like um the ability of people to choose to look at the options to look at the track the historical track record and all these type of things i think in 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 being um in many, uh, we are giving and providing a good use case and good um, diverse case to regulators to make them understand that um, this is a growing technology. Again, if there was one single company, it wouldn't, you know, would be feeling weird, right? So why why no one else would would is doing this the very same thing? And um, monopoly is never never good. I think um, the what I also think is that. Um, um, for example, uh, Tether USDTA is not uh, onboarding U.S. customers, so there are. Um, I heard, uh, well, I think it was on news. Uh, PayPal is is launching is uh, U.S. dollar uh, or has launched its U.S. dollar uh, stablecoin. 
um, starting from the US. Um, um, you know, you, you can argue you, uh, Circle is, is focusing and or that is one of their main focuses. So the world is a big place um, that I think Tether um, has uh, an eye towards um, emerging markets and uh, developing countries. So I, I like the fact that, uh, you know, diverse geographically i think diverse in in uh, in in the way they are run in the philosophy that uh, that is behind the scenes and and so on so uh, actually it's a good thing now when you think about um tether and, and kind of the uh, adoption that it has received uh, one of the big questions has always been around uh treasury management and then also regulation and and sometimes those two things are related other times those two things are completely separate right if you were to almost think of it as a business right you've got some people who are dedicated to doing treasury management do it as well as possible and you've got other people who are worried about regulation and, and being compliant and, and stuff like that and so how do you all think about uh treasury management maybe as just like part of the internal business and, and what you guys do? And then how does that relate into any of the regulatory either inquiries or oversight that you all are subjected to? That's a great question, right? So I'm I'm in the face of Tether for uh, quite now, now a few years. And um, the I think one of the best um, things that happened in the last two years is um, trial by fire, right? Um, it's easy to say, well, you know, um, what's going on behind the scenes and, um, and you know are you doing this are you doing that right so and of course i i go on and i i can't go on shows and explain yes we are doing these type of things we are we are extremely serious in risk management we have a team we have uh, extremely professional people that are day and night are monitoring the markets are under, trying to understand micro microeconomics um they are they are you know I'm, among the best people that someone would could aim for their company when it comes to treasury management and risk management. I mean, I'm, I feel so lucky to have to work with the, this team. Yet, there is an interesting aspect that, uh, you know, uh, talking about 2022 and 2023, um, with starting with Terra Luna, um, uh, also Tether became under attack, um, you know, classic FUD campaigns. Um, and uh, Tether proved in, in May 2022, it was able to redeem $7 billion in, in 48 hours, 20 plus billion dollars in 20 days. Um, a te good testament of um, you know, the solidity of Tether and solidity of banks, right? When we think that uh, $7 billion were 10% of the reserves and $20 billion were plus were 25% of the reserves. I mean, it's uh, then you start asking or looking around at the banks that you know, and, and see and ask yourself, would the banks be able to su survive to that type of scenario? The answer is no, right? In 2008, there was a bank called Washington Mutual, went bankrupt for 10% of their of of, um, of um, uh, redemption of their, their reserves. In 2023, we had Silicon Valley Bank, um, we had uh, Washington, uh, sorry, Silicon Valley Bank, Signature, Silvergate, all were shut down for improper um, um, management uh, of uh, or uh, uh, too much risk in in their portfolio. Uh, to from my understanding, and um, it's interesting that uh, one of our main competitors actually was had a lot of cash, uninsured cash, on one, one of those banks. And so, um, what we did at Tether, we always thought that uh, the bank, the banks as partners for sure for Tether because Tether is a, a USDT is a centralized stablecoin so it means that it's using uh, um, it's using blockchains 
as a transport layer, but the issuer is centralized. And so hence, um, as a centralized stablecoin has to use the, use the banking system. But uh, using the banking system doesn't mean trusting blindly the banking system. It means that uh, the most important aspect of our life at Tether is protecting the portfolio. And when you want to protect the portfolio, I mean, the obvious question is, where a stablecoin doesn't put you know, $82 billion in cash in a bank, right? You, you guys should have $82 billion in cash in a bank. Well, there is no bank that allows you to, to do that. The, this this uh, cash would stay in the balance sheet of the bank. And the case, and the most important thing is that in the case of a bankruptcy, this cash would be dragged into the bankruptcy proceeding. Instead, if you use um, UST bills, if you use um, that are basically securities, um, if you use um, reverse repos and so on, if there is any issue with the bank, you know, these assets are returned to the owner. And so they would be in our case returned to Tether, even in the worst case scenario. So, and, and that I think, uh, that is the, I think some of our competitors found this the hard way, right? They kept uninsured cash in the bank. It ended up in the, in the balance sheet of the bank. And when the bank bank blew up, they had they needed the FDIC to save the bank for the first time in history. They have to save the bank and provide all the capital to fill the hole. Otherwise, there would be a massive issue on on such stable coins. And so these are the things that, uh, believe it or not, our team is is insanely focused on. And you know we were not find found in 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 that mistake. We um, we we. We were, you know, we, uh, I would say, uh, being Italians with male problems like one mile away, probably, you know, uh, so, um, but um, really, um, I'm, I'm really proud of, of the work that we have been doing there um, um, in, in this extremely turbulent uh, period. Now, FDIC insurance is really interesting in this scenario because basically what you're highlighting is there's FDIC insurance up to the $250,000 limit. And so obviously that gives the average consumer uh, some degree of peace of mind. Uh, FDIC insurance obviously wouldn't save uh, a business or an individual with more than that unless they step in with extreme measures as they did. Um, and so one of the questions that people always ask me is, you know, will Tether get FDIC insurance? And what you're really highlighting here is that FDIC insurance doesn't really mean anything for Tether because there's so much money that that either you would have to put the money cash in a bank, you may have too much for one single bank to do that. And so actually the thing that guarantees or, or at least increases the probability of uh, people getting the money back, right? The, the kind of the uh, reserves is the T-bills are a much better solution for that than having to rely on FDIC insurance. Am I understanding that correctly? Um, yes. I mean, the, the fact that FDIC decided to save um, uh, Silicon Valley Bank was one maybe one in lifetime event, right? So um, till like, I think uh, the issue happened on a Thursday and until Sunday, no one knew if that would happen. I mean, never, it never happened. So, you know, it could have happened or it could not. So uh, for a stable coin relying on, uh, on um, uh, insurance on, um, on, on, on the bank balance sheet is, is not an option. The um, the option the solution for a stablecoin insurer is to use um, short term uh, U.S. Treasury bills and also products like and uh, solutions like uh, overnight reverse repos, fully collateralized in USD bills, so that you need to um, to redeem ten billion dollars overnight 
you have the liquidity, no problems, right? So that is the type of um, information, that is the type of knowledge that uh, we accrued over time and that uh, makes uh, me, myself, our team confident. And, you know, we proved um, it's, we, we, are, we were really tried uh, by fire in, in being subject to FAD, redemption. I think the, in one single, we processed one single redemption was $700 million, one single redemption. So I think it, it speaks highly about, uh, you know, we, our, our, our procedures. So one of the big pieces here is when you're putting the money into T-bills, even if they're short-term T-bills, uh, you can generate a lot of revenue. And in Q1, Tether reported, I think it was like almost $1.5 billion of net profit. Uh, in Q2, I think the number ended up being somewhere around $850 million. And so let's put it at, you know, two to two and a half billion dollars of profit in the first half of this year. Is that something that uh, you think is just solely tied to interest rates and we're in a high interest rate environment. So that's good for Tether. And when those rates come down, we should expect profit to come down. Or are there other things that you all can do from a treasury management standpoint that one, continue to secure the treasury reserves, but also two, can help to drive uh, revenue and profit for the business, even if rates were to come down in the future? Well, um, first of all, uh, Tether is actually, everyone knows Tether for, for the stablecoin USDT, right? So, but the, the reality of things is that uh, Tether is expanding quickly in different areas. Um, so um, the role of Tether is to ensure that the stablecoin is secure. It has, um, is in this moment, we have uh, the, the market cap of Tether is $83 billion and the Tether has more than $3.3 billion in additional reserves um, accrued in the, in the last few quarters. And um, this quarter will be a good quarter again, and, and so on and so forth, right? And as you said, we are living in a high interest rate uh, period. And so um, we expect that to continue a little bit, but not forever, right? Um, um, and uh, also means that if this the high interest rate um, uh, period would continue for a long time, that would be not good for the global economy, right? You would expect eventually to calm down a little bit. So the stablecoin, I think the profitability of the stablecoin will go down. I must say that um, Tether maintain always a lean team uh for um even uh, when um, interest rates were at uh, um were really low or you know at some point i think that it was making around uh, 15 basis points um on um, to 20 basis points on average on its portfolio yet um Tether was um, was profitable. One of the other things that Tether has been doing compared to the other stable coins, and uh, that is actually one of the things that uh, regulators um, uh, are interested in and and uh, are happy with, is the fact that Tether has um, the, the fact that Tether has ten basis points issuance and redemption fees allow Tether to remain profitable. Tether USDT to remain profitable only uh, also sorry in doing. Um, uh, low interest rate periods. And so Tether is uh, this um, stablecoin behemoth. Um, uh, the prof profitability goes up and down based on interest rates. The good thing is that with the capital that we are accruing, um, the vast majority is capped at the um, to farther back. Uh, the stablecoin right now, it's around 104%. Um, the, um, so 4% of uh, over collateralization. 
and uh, but with part of the uh, profits that are is expanding different business lines we are um, we started working in energy production and bitcoin mining we launched um in partnership with whole punch um and a communication peer-to-peer -peer communication platform uh, that uh, um that developed keep as a peer-to-peer -peer, uh video conferencing and video call and uh, audio and chat tool we are really excited about that. A new version of Keith Mobile will come in the next uh, two or three weeks. Will be insanely better. Will be much more scalable, uh, super secure still, and so on. So, um, and um, we are working on other products. And so, uh, I think Tether as a company will grow its profitability over time. The stablecoin part will be maybe in certain periods extremely profitable, in other periods less profitable. But it's okay, right? So. Um, when we launched Tether, we we couldn't we couldn't believe um, this uh, this fast growth anyway. Yeah, is it something where you would ever consider taking the company public or or kind of going a more traditional path? Given you know, I'm assuming investors knock on the door all the time when you ha are reporting two billion dollars worth of profits in the first half of a year. Uh, that's something where whether they're private investors or public investors, they want to get exposure to profits of that size how have you thought about the maturation of tether you know kind of the the holding company if you will as a business and, and what are the plans there so we we discussed a few times about the opportunity i mean we are not shutting the door uh to potentially bring in tether public but i must say that um you know i'm sorry about that but i'm always going back to the my italian roots and uh, giancarlo uh, my business partner roots you know we come from uh Italy, right? And um, there is a huge company called Ferrero, the one that makes Nutella. That is a private company. I mean, the business is thriving. Um, they are doing great. And they are not interested to bring the company public. I think if you love what, love what you're doing, if you are excited, if you have long-term plans, I mean, if you are um, an investor of the company, but you, you know, you, you really are married to to that uh, to to that vision i think is kind of hard to bring it public uh, that's that's at least our feeling this moment yeah that um that makes sense uh as part of the reserves another question that um i get is obviously having the t bills and kind of what i'll consider other traditional safe uh capital allocation uh that any large institution would pursue uh makes sense but what about putting things like Bitcoin as part of the treasury reserves and, you know, have you guys done that? Is that something that uh, you think is beneficial or potentially, you know, kind of violates the treasury management strategy that you guys have in place right now? It's a great question. Um, uh, it's information that is publicly available. Tether in its portfolio has around 1.5 billion in Bitcoin. Um, Given that Tether has more than 3.3 billion in excess uh, equity, that is, you know, company profits non-distributed. If even if Bitcoin would go to zero, um, um, Tether would still have more money than uh, you know all the total issued tokens. Um, also, Tether holds um, uh, gold uh, as part of uh, its reserves. Um, we think that uh, uh, the world is extremely unpredictable, and uh, Tether users should be protected from edge cases. Um, what we are looking at is that uh, European banks, but I was reading that also uh, probably uh, in the US is even the banks are allowed to put uh, up to 5% of uh, the capital in, in Bitcoin. 
and the bank balance sheet in Bitcoin. So we have our ratio is around 1.5% on, on the Bitcoin side. And again, um, it's smaller than our um, company access equity. But yeah, we are thinking about, you know, with, with really uh, small portions of the portfolio, uh, we are thinking about uh, you know some small diversification to give a, a little bit of counterbalance to the enormous exposure that we have uh, with uh, USD bills. Uh, we made a calculation right now. I think um, with um, give or take uh, last last numbers is around 72.5 billion in uh, USD bills that would put Tether to be the 20. If Tether was a country, it would put Tether to be the 22nd country in the world for how many T bills. Um, um we have in 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 our reserves and uh um so that that is uh of course a, a big number um and uh, uh we are of course excited uh we 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 couldn't not believe that to be in the, in the situation but also you makes you think that uh, at some point you have you need a little bit of diversification um and i think our risk management over time proved to be um correct in, in its strategy yeah, that makes sense. Um, obviously, uh, people always want to talk about audits, and and uh, it's this weird thing where uh, you all are doing public uh, kind of uh, uh, maybe transparent view of what's in the uh, reserves. Then there is like a CPA or, or an actual auditor type thing. There's also attestations. Talk a little bit about like what have you guys done in the past, and then how are you all thinking about now? Uh, you know, giving as much information to people who hold Tether as to where you know the the funds are in the reserves. Yeah, sure. So, um, in this moment, um, 2023, the, the um, industry standard, the stablecoin industry standard, is um, the attestation. Attestations are not uh, third-party attestations. Attestations are not um, audits, uh, but they are also um, a good instrument to evaluate uh, the composition of the reserves of a stablecoin. That doesn't mean that the Tether is not interested um, to perform a full audit. Uh, actually, you know, in the past, we we went public saying that we were working on an audit, and uh, it is taken a long time for different reasons. So, you know, um, initially, uh, definitely adverse media didn't help. I think that in the last few years, uh, Tether made wonderful uh, progress in in providing transparency, providing um, reassurance. We have seen these black swan events that uh, almost kill our competitors, killed good parts of the crypto industry. They didn't touch Tether at all, given, you know, it's it's good risk management and stability. Nevertheless, uh, we are after FTX, it, um, the, uh, you, you, you cannot believe how many auditors are, you know, uh, scared about, uh, you know, touching uh, the crypto industry with a 10 football. Some of them are not taking on new um, contracts for for uh, for uh, for auditing, and um, if you if you look at the big four uh, auditing firms, uh, my understanding is that uh, there was a public message uh, from someone uh, notable in the Congress that suggested that auditors should not take new customers, new crypto customers, as as customers, and so you know uh, I. Uh, I, I, to me, it's really important to um, to express the fact that Tether wants always to improve uh, its transparency, has done a tremendous job in doing that. It was the first stablecoin to provide the breakdown of reserves. Um, if you look at the attestation of Tether, if you look at the notes that um, BDO, that is a top five, uh, the top five, fifth uh, auditor in the world, 
um, is doing these attestations. The the process, the the level of um, of details that they go through um, for for the attestation is is really high. Is almost comparable to an audit. And if you look at the other attestations, I mean, they are much lesser. Like, uh, okay, yeah, we see that a couple of numbers. That's fine. So, you know, also the the our um, uh, BDO is interested, so is 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 doing uh, the attestation work, but at the same time wants to make sure that everything is 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 proper. And so they are doing a really thorough work in 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 the uh, for the attestation. So. Uh, I, I think in the future, the future will still see uh, Tether uh, and is still, we are actually actually working towards an audit. And, uh, you know, in the past, we made the mistake of uh, of giving some deadlines that, that we could not meet. We are that, that didn't and doesn't change our focus, our commitment. So um, I'm, I'm positive that uh, and, uh, you know, that uh, our team will continue in that direction. That um that that makes sense. Let's talk a little bit in terms of um uh Tether's growth and many stablecoins growth, but Tether specifically. Uh, I think people look at it and they're like, oh, I think of the asset, but there's underlying technology to this asset. And one of the stories that I think is a narrative violation is that Tether on Tron and Tether on Binance Smart Chain have become much more popular than people realize until they look at the data, and Part of that, I think, is people want low-cost, fast transactions, but there may be other reasons as well. And so how do you think about Tether on various blockchains and the popularity of maybe some of the blockchains that people wouldn't expect being the choice for users around the world? Well, the this topic is um, also pretty recent in a way, in a sense that... Um, Unfortunately, recently Tether had to announce the um, um, the decommissioning of um, OmniLayer. That was the first, uh, let's say, uh, layer on top of Bitcoin that uh, Tether used to issue USDT. is uh, is a bit. I'm I'm a bit sad uh, because uh, of course um, that was our first love and uh, also was Bitcoin based. Um, nevertheless, Tether has a um, uh, higher commitment to ensuring that. Uh, if Tether maintains uh, the usage of a blockchain, it is because um, that blockchain has a, um, a threshold of, of usage, right? You don't want to support 100 blockchains and have like, uh, you know, 95% of them uh, with a couple of transactions per, per day or per month, because that would uh, supporting blockchains add to the complexity of management uh, of Tether from the technological point of view. And if there is no actual reason, it's not there is no uh, transfer volume and so on. It's it becomes more you know um, uh, use less complexity. And so um, Tether started from Omni, and then added Ethereum, and then added Tron. The uh, the the thing is that Tron, as as I, you hinted, has really low or had, especially in the past, really low transaction fees. If you go in Africa, if you go in South America, no one wants to touch um, Ethereum with a ten-foot pole. I mean, what you know, transaction fees that uh, for a European person on Ethereum that uh, are really high, but in especially in emerging markets, developing countries, they are insanely high. And so, of course, now you have all these layer twos, you have uh, Arbitrum, you have Optimism, and so on. They try to be more efficient. They try to 
uh, take down the cost of fees. But the reality is that um, Tron uh, has been super simple to integrate uh, for many. Um, it's basically a turnkey solution. And again, we have also always to think about um, the um, the purpose. So if you want money that will resist to the wrath of God and to an ap apocalypse, that is Bitcoin. But Tether is issued by a centralized issuer. So blockchains are a transport layer for Tether, right? So they are um, a secondary market and a transport layer and so on. So in the end, even if one transport layer is more decentralized than another, it's cool. It matters, but matters till a certain extent, right? Eventually, there is a still the same issuer behind uh, all the implementations, and so people just choose. It's a commodity, right? For 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 Tether, for USDT, uh, a blockchain, and so people will choose the one that will make them save, save uh, more money. That makes sense. When you think about Tether um, and its impact in the crypto market. What would happen if Tether went away? Like one of the things that I always think about is just whether it was regulatory uh, kind of action, whether it was some sort of technological failure, whether it was you guys just say, hey, this was fun. We're going to shut it all down and, you know, go home. Uh, it could be a whole bunch of different reasons. Some of them could be, you know, think decisions you guys make. Some of them could be external things. But is, is it something where now Tether has become almost, you know, like it, it, it's too big to fail within the uh, kind of Bitcoin and crypto market? Or do you think that uh, like many things in the industry, you know, things come and go. And, and if Tether for some reason was to go away uh, tomorrow, the industry would still be okay. Look, I think that uh, if uh, um, Tether would go away would be, you know, I, I like to think that uh, eventually the world will move, move towards, um, and I, I believe in the hyper-Bitcoinization. So, you know, if uh, if the world will go towards, uh, um, you know, more and more adoption of Bitcoin, I think it's fine for Tether to um, to to decrease and uh, and uh, to to potentially so Tether USDT to decrease and, and go away. There are the products like XLT or other things that we are doing, right? So we are, I mean, we are not that uh, the type of guys and saying, well, we have to do everything that we can to make sure that uh, you know tether will be used in from a year to the next 2000 years that doesn't make any sense for us right so if the world doesn't need any more stable coin technology that's fine it means that the world is evolving uh, the world is going towards other directions and so i think that uh, uh, tether will always try to innovate and create a cool stuff, uh, you know, communication, energy, Bitcoin mining, all kinds of things. And uh, to, uh, Tether just want to be at service of the industry. If there is no need for Tether, um, uh, USDT in the future, I think, will be organic, an organic decline. And I don't think Bitcoin will be affected. They probably, if, uh, if uh, uh, that will... Um, that will happen when more and more people will uh, finally understand Bitcoin. That makes sense. Uh, another thing that's interesting about stablecoins today is uh, stablecoins seem to have risen in popularity mainly because uh, banks and large uh, central banks or large financial institutions haven't embraced 
blockchain technologies. They've talked about it. There's been research. Uh, there has been maybe some experimentation. But ultimately, the rise of stable coins and especially the profits that you all are driving internally, et cetera, is going to get the attention of these organizations. And so you mentioned earlier, PayPal is now launching kind of a dollar back stable coin. Uh, you would think that other organizations are going to follow suit. And whether they actually launch a stable coin or maybe they just become friendlier to stable coins and kind of the crypto industry, what is the impact on the existing stable coins? Is it something where more people being involved in, in whether it's competition or friendliness, then that you know all boats rise together? Or do you think actually there's a world where the big banks could come in and use regulatory capture or something else to potentially get a leg up on and, and steal market share from whether it's Tether, USDC or others? So that's um, that's a great question, and it's, in a way, it's like playing five D chess game, right? So, um, I the way I think to it is that um, there are different models, right? There are the CBDCs, so central bank digital currencies. There are um, banks, not necessarily central banks, like the the super big banks in the world that could um uh, work together to create their own stable coins i mean in this moment i'm hearing from a lot of small banks that want to create their own stable coin but i don't believe that is the a good solution or is a solution that will last or will be practical imagine that you have 50 banks that are doing their own us dollar stable coin i mean what is the exchange rate one-to-one -one? You know which transport layer where there will be curve pools or or like whatever in order to exchange them. I mean, it's it's gonna be from a user experience, not not much from the financial side, but the user experience will be a mess, right? So in the end, people will always pivot for one or two solutions, three, four solutions, but not fifty, right? So then, um, so there is the layer of small banks that trying they are trying to capture the flag before the big banks are are getting there because the small banks probably will can have the ability to move faster then um the big banks could all sit together and uh, work towards a solution that is shared right because if they don't share solution they will fight each other in in eternity and that will not work either because you know if uh, i'm pretty sure that if every big bank would like to have dominance on uh, on um, a stable coin but yet if uh, that would that is a factor that probably is in common with all the big banks and so they will still end up in fighting each other and so the only solution is that they sit all together at least try to create a monopoly and then um, um, issue a, a stable coin that they all recognize that could actually work and that could be uh, one of the most probable outcomes um then there is um and 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 then there is the cbdcs so central bank um, digital currencies i think that uh, especially in the western world uh, that is a little bit trickier to for a government to, to issue a cbdc we are seeing in the us uh, people in congress fight against the concept of a cbdc there are ton of issues from um, the orwellian future to the fact that uh, cbdcs would replace cash but cash doesn't uh, pay any positive interest or um, um, you know, uh, negative interest. And um, the issue is that, uh, of course, cash is still subject to inflation. That is, in a way, is negative interest. But uh, um, nevertheless, uh, imagine what happens if uh, tomorrow the US would have a CBDC and they decide to put negative interest on, on, the, on the CBDC. I think there will be a revolt in, the, in, in a riot in the country. So it's really difficult for, from a central bank to have 
to really play this with, uh, you know, with understanding all the variables. And what if a CBDC would it be successful? Where are all the banks going? I mean, they will all the transactional fees of the banks will will completely be wiped out, and many banks could go belly up, and ton of people in the streets without jobs. So, it's really difficult for a central bank to decide. So, then we go back to big banks deciding um, to to create a monopoly um, uh, token, stablecoin. But also, you know, the I think is important um, the the that. Uh, uh, people uh, like also the um, the ability to 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 move money um, through blockchains and, and and jump across bridges and so on. So if um, if these big banks um, would not allow this factor, then uh, probably um, they their product would be less used in the merchant markets or in the more sophisticated tech industry and so on and so forth. So I think is a uh, fairly unpredictable. I think Tether is still um, uh, in in great position to um, to keep innovating in this sector and uh, keep moving uh, faster than the others, especially when it comes to banks. My last question for you is about Tether, the business itself. How, how big is it? Is it a distributed company? How, how do you guys operate the business internally? I think people are fascinated with just the scale of how quickly this has grown over nine years, and you're coming up on the ninth year, uh, ninth year anniversary now. How do you think about it from just a, a pure entrepreneurship standpoint? And you know, what what does the employee size look like, and how do you manage it on a day to day basis? So, Tether um, uh, personnel size is around sixty people now. Um, that could make it the most profitable company per per capita in the world, I guess. But uh, nevertheless, um, we have been hiring uh, a lot in the last um, uh, two years, and uh, we keep we are going to keep higher um, um, in in next um, in next next several months. And because we are expanding the business lines, we are expanding the products. Both on the stablecoin side, we have a couple of I think brilliant ideas that I'm I cannot share, but um, I'm super excited about them, and uh, and also we are expanding in other areas like uh, uh, energy production, Bitcoin mining, communication, and so on. So the growth, the size of uh, of Tether will be um, uh, of the personnel will increase quite fast. Um, also, we are working on uh, educational projects, you know, across um, you know. Um, on um, you know not not related to crypto, but also I, I'm really we are we are big believers on the fact that the future, the um, um, informatization of uh, of education is is one of the key points of the growth of humanity in the in the in the future, and so we are investing also on, on that part. So um, at, right now you can imagine that uh, uh, among these um, you know sixty plus uh, people. Uh, most of them are basically finance, right? So, uh, but uh, they will they, they will move. We will move away. Uh, well, not move away. We will move towards a more diverse, um, um, or more um, uh, uh, complex organization in the next months. We have big announcements coming up. Coming up. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Where can we send people to find you on the internet or learn more about Tether? Um, they can follow uh, Tether at Tether underscore TO on uh, Twitter or at Paolo Ardoino um, on Twitter as well. Awesome. Paolo, thank you so much for taking the time to do it. We'll definitely do it again in the future. Thank you very much, Anthony.